Welcome to the Outrageous Impact Show. With me, your host, Patrick Olshowski. So I've just arrived in Calais. It's a balmy evening, a Sunday night, and just been brought to the uh, hotel where I'm staying by a very nice taxi driver with excellent English called Jeff. Jeff tells me that, uh, contrary to media reports, uh, the townsfolk here see very, very little of the refugees. Instead, uh, what happens is that the uh, people who are getting the most problems are the lorry drivers. Uh, Apparently, the first thing that migrants will actually do um, when they're trying to actually get on board one of the lorries is actually block... Uh, the wing mirrors so that people can't actually see what's happening uh, behind them, i.e. as people are being loaded on. And um, roughly, uh, Jeff was saying that if there was a 10-minute gap between a uh, truck stopping and the police coming, 40 to 50 migrants could basically be loaded onto a truck in that sort of time. Um, so that's you know pretty quick. Um, so sort of for for a uh, for a minute something like that. Overall, Calais seems very um, sort of quiet. Um, apparently, tourism has been has been really hit because of the bad reputation. People feel that Calais town centre has been overrun by by migrants, but it's just not the reality here at all. It's very quiet, very sleepy, and you know France is as lovely as ever. So I've woken up, it's an overcast day in Calais, a little bit windy, and I'm just about to head out to the Help Refugees warehouse on the outskirts of Calais. The location is actually kept uh, secret, um, so I won't be saying where I'm going, but uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'll give you an update later on how I get on. So it's the end of the first day, and it's been quite a day. Spent the entire day today with Calais Woodyard. They are chopping and processing over 15 tonnes of wood a week for refugees in the camp to actually help them with cooking and heating. And it has been an absolutely brilliant but brutal day. Um, Non-stop work. Really lovely people, absolutely lovely people, but just full on chopping, sawing, cutting. Um, I feel absolutely in pieces, but uh, also really, really elated. It's been been a great day. I met some really cool people. So what have I learned today? Well, um, I've learned that the food situation, which um, I was quite worried about um, and had tweeted about a few weeks ago, is is apparently stabilising a bit. They'd had a a, a real uh, lack of food, but that amount um, has now gone up again. The wood situation is is apparently quite acute now. Um, They are, um, with more and more people in the camp, nearly 9,600, they are finding that there is less and less uh, wood to go round. Um, And particularly as they're they're struggling to get sort of donations of of wood in, it's proving quite tricky. Um, They also need new equipment, and you should check them out on Facebook and on Twitter, um, at Calais Woodyard. Uh, really good bunch of people and they're doing some amazing work uh, working their absolute socks off really good operation and I think you know if you are interested you should definitely look at that look them up Um, and people the volunteers are absolutely amazing just really really genuine lovely people 
Um, some people have been here months and months and months, um, others for weeks. Um, just, you know, people are, are living cheaply, you know, um, shopping at, at, at little convenience stores for, for sort of bread and cheese um, and putting all the money they've got into the camp um, and making sure that, that refugees are the top priority. And it's really, really humbling. It's been an amazing experience to see that. So it's the end of the second day. I have uh, started off in the woodyard. Uh, again with Calais Woodyard and uh, the brilliant people there who are working in really, really, you know, difficult circumstances to churn out pieces of wood that are allowed to be no bigger than your hand so that they're not classed as building materials and are therefore stopped by the CRS, who are the sort of French riot police who guard the entrance to the camp. And um, so there's this incredible production line about between 10 and 20 volunteers plus some long-term uh, sort of volunteers who are, who are staff members in inverted commas who are processing tons and tons and tons of material and you can't fail to have been impressed you know today has been an incredibly hot day it's been probably 25 30 degrees and throughout that day people just absolutely broke themselves to try and make sure that the wood was of a consistently good quality. You're not allowed to send in, or the, the, the uh, Calais Woodyard have decided not to send in wood that's either MDF or that's painted, because obviously that gives off fumes. So all the wood is meticulously s sorted. People pay incredible attention to making sure this is right. Just as one example, at the end of the day, um, the uh, volunteers all got in a line, myself included, and we were down on our hands and knees and we were doing a fingertip search of the of the main road out of the woodyard to basically check for nails just so that uh, the uh, buses and other sort of vehicles that come in and out don't get punctured. And that's kind of the thing, one of the many contributions that Calais Woodyard make to the, to the group of charities that work together um, there. And um, yeah, it was just really, really humbling. Not a single grumpy person not a single raised voice and when you think about what you see in you know western world you know on a daily basis people moaning about their latte being wrong or people moaning about having to stand cheek by jowl on the train actually this really has been the best of people people who've been giving months um, you know of their lives to come um, you know, one person I spoke to has been living for three months on £200. Um, you know, people who are sharing food, lifts and laughs and really just making do. And it really has been such a total, total pleasure. Um, so the other thing that happened is that mid-morning I got to go uh, with one of the one of the drivers into the jungle itself and I wasn't expecting to go on this trip um, and uh, yeah it was unbelievable it was really unbelievable again talk about people making do you know it's one hears all these sort of horror stories and yet all I saw in the camp was people incredibly friendly you know when we stopped with a, a truckload of rubble and um, sort of sawdust to help uh, sort of um, plug some lakes that had appeared around people's housing um, people were just so eager to help even if it wasn't for their own place people were helping others out people of all nationalities um, races and creeds and really just uh, totally blew me away another thing that I saw today which was just unbelievable was people building something and I was like okay you know great they're building something and I asked what it was and, and the guy just turned to me casual as he like and said 
Yeah, it's going to be a mosque for 250 people. We were basically today uh, filling in uh, sort of uh, these fetid pools where things like um, you know mosquitoes and other bits and pieces, and it was just you know the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen you put your foot in it you sort of go right up over your ankle pretty much in in you know 0.4 of a second and um yeah it was just really really uh, grim but we managed to put down loads of sand and rubble down there and then the guy you know who had very very little was just like yeah come round and he gave us the most delicious sweet milky tea um and biscuits and for people who had so little to share that with us meant a huge you know to me meant a huge huge amount and I'll always remember how much kindness I was shown when we left the camp um, you know a real sudden reminder of of how things can really change in a moment because you know people are living with limited food in really hot conditions in often really crummy uh, accommodation and um, we came out and there were a load of police there and there'd been basically an altercation and someone had got stabbed and you know so quickly you know you you realize just what a, a sort of impossible situation people are being placed in with food at a premium with uh sort of space at a premium with building materials at a premium and just how important it is that we continue to actually respond to those needs um, and do everything that we can to actually help alleviate what is an incredibly human uh sort of experience you know, my overriding feeling today was that this could have been any of us. It absolutely could have been any of us there. And I was just totally sort of overwhelmed. I came back to the back to the warehouse afterwards. And it's funny, sometimes it's the small things that really that, that really knock you for six. And I saw a brand of, of, of wet wipes, the same that my little daughter uses. Um, and I just I just couldn't really sort of cope with it it just made me really tearful um yeah i think it's just one of those things where you just realize blooming hell you know there are people out there babies out there kids out there um about 800 kids so i've just woken up it's about uh, 10 to 7 and i can say that after 18 hours in the woodyard my body is collapsing my hands are in pieces my whole uh, sort of legs arms uh, body feels like i've been in 10 rounds with a professional boxer and i seem to have developed a very uh, croaky voice uh, which is uh, deeply uh, deeply uh, sort of uh, barry white-esque but it's been amazing i mean i absolutely love it and today i'm going to be going on mobile distribution so in the morning, I'm going to go out with one of the most experienced teams uh, that help people in the jungle. And what they're going to be doing uh, with me observing is actually seeing people uh, giving orders for the things that they need. So they have at the warehouse a huge sort of different range of stuff, everything from sort of hairbrushes to um, water bottles to um, you know toothbrushes, every, every sort of imaginable element of household item that you kind of need um and yeah then in the afternoon we'll go around and actually deliver them should be fun but first i've got to go for a swim 
swim in the ice cold sea is the only way I can basically keep myself semi moving in the morning. Um, so I'll update you this evening. So I'm here uh, now with Lauren from the mobile distribution team. Hello Lauren, hope you're well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So I wonder if you could just describe yourself and kind of where we are and what your team does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a 26 year old with a background in supporting adults with learning disabilities. Came here two and a half months ago now because I have a lot of friends from school who are here as long-termers. So really wanted to see what had captured their hearts so much. and. Yeah, I've been here ever since, so um, coordinating the mobile distribution team now. Um, we're a team of people who go from shelter to shelter in camp, so we provide things like hygiene products, additional bedding items, some kitchenware items, a real range of things, but a big part of what we do is just being that really positive presence and making referrals to things like the youth service or the vulnerabilities team. Because we do go shelter to shelter, we're in a really good place to have those conversations with people as they come up. Yeah. And I've been really lucky to spend the day with you today and thank you very, very much. You've really looked after me so incredibly well, taking me uh, you know, across the jungle twice. And I guess I'm, you know, one of the things that's really struck me is how much care and attention you put into making sure that everything is right and making sure the system works really, really smoothly. And there's obviously been a lot of thought gone into and care gone into that. I wonder if you could just tell people who haven't seen the warehouse or seen what you yeah. do about how much effort goes in. Oh, it's incredible from every single volunteer who comes here every single item that's donated to the warehouse here in Calais is such a crucial cog in just keeping this project going keeping this this aid going into that camp to those people um, for, for us the bedding that we distribute and some of the items the kitchen items that we distribute that's all sorted by people who just come for a day or maybe two days and all of that feeds so directly into us being able to take those items that we know are of a good standard um, into camp. Um, yeah, for us, um, we've become a bit techie over the last couple of months. We now have this app that we're using. An incredible team of students came to help us to set that up. It very realistically has almost doubled the amount of people that we're able to visit each week. It means that we're able to be in camp with a team of people packing at the warehouse at the same time. Um, yeah, it's just been an absolutely massive help. But and you told me this morning at the morning briefing and, and your team about how you've just absolutely monstered the targets <laughs> um, that you've been setting yourself and just yeah. like exceeding and exceeding and exceeding. So roughly how many people are you helping on average each week? And, and you've had some massive weeks recently, yeah. haven't you? Um, last week we were in an area of camp where um, in a six-week period around 500 new people had arrived to this very small area of the camp. So there was a really high level of need and I think everyone was just really motivated to access people as quickly but as carefully as possible so um, yeah in the last two weeks alone we've reached nearly 900 people just shy of 900 people to provide you know bedding to people who were sharing a sleeping bag between two or three people um, people who didn't have roll mats were able to provide just some additional blankets and sheets to get them off of the floor pans to new arrivals that's not something when you're fleeing your home and your life a cooking pot is not the first thing in your mind a lot of people arrive here to the jungle thinking they'll be here just for one night or two nights and very quickly faced with the stark reality of how difficult it is to then carry on to the UK if that's their destination. So sort of the items that myself and um, the mobile distribution and the kitchenware teams, the stuff that we're able to provide into that camp is kind of when the realisation hits of I'm going to be here for a little while, I can't just 
have these very very short-term emergency items that's kind of where we step in and it's not something that you would be using in your own home for the rest of your life but if you're going to be here for a couple of weeks or a few months it's something that will tide that over and just you know, help to make what is an acceptable living environment a little bit more acceptable I suppose <laughs> yeah and I saw today you know some of that some of the care and attention you'd given you know to young families and this sort of thing and some of the little bits and pieces that you throw in and just just how grateful people are I came to one place and they literally had nothing and they you know were so keen to give us a glass of water just to sort of say thank you and it's really amazing isn't it when you're just seeing people with literally nothing who want to just sort of thank you for doing so little you know the the thing that just touches me again and again when I go into that camp is just there's people who relatively speaking they have they have nothing and they're so willing to share the last few bits that they have um, uh, there is hot food distribution points and if you go to visit someone after they've collected their hot food for the day they are so willing to divide and divide again in order to for you to sit with them and share that moment with them and it's just absolutely incredible people um, help when I've been had to be in the camp sort of later on in the evening a few times and there's new arrivals coming people gather around to make sure they know where they're going particularly when it's families it's just a really incredible bunch of people there who just dealt with things I could never even imagine and even now they just want to share a cup of tea and have a chat about your day and the weather and check that you're okay and every time I drive a van in I'm a horrendous van driver but I'm getting used to it there's always three or four people stopping to help me turn around make sure I'm not hitting anything um, it's just yeah very. we very hit a concrete block yesterday <laughs> that's not doing too badly no. I guess I just had two final questions I mean one is you know a lot of people feel quite hopeless about the sort of global refugee crisis that's, that's unfurling you know now absolutely on our doorstep and people feel as though there's nothing they can do and I guess you probably would take quite a different view that there is quite a lot that people can do so for people who are, who are listening to this the very small number of people who are listening to this but what would you say to people is the is the things that w that you need in order to help you do what you're doing better as it were um the, the thing that we most need and so this isn't really in terms of us doing things better here but it's just people to contact their local councils mm. um you know if we can get more grassroots pressure on local governments to then increase that pressure on the UK government itself just to say that we are happy to accept these people you know these incredibly kind and generous good-hearted people who are just looking for a safer life like the more individuals who are contacting their local councils to put that pressure on it it is all going to help and it is all going to add up it's just I think when you look at some of the British media they paint a horrible picture of this place and the individuals living there and you know for anyone at home with those ideas please please come and see these people and see this the life that they're living and the big hearts they're here because it will completely change your perspective um please don't listen to certain newspapers that want the daily mail yeah, that want to demonize um what is just fellow human beings i can't imagine if my life was in this situation if it was my family what i would do and it's a really big and brave step to leave your entire life behind it and come here and then to be so close to the final destination and be turned away it's really hard yeah. um, but uh, the uh, other oh, sorry no go on no um, in terms of more practical things um, one of the things that we're really really struggling here with is shoes we have a lot of people who've come a really long way on foot um, and we aren't able to distribute adequately um, 
shoes for those people so it's not something we can afford to buy mm. if anyone's thinking of coming over and happy to set themselves up as a shoe collection point please do get in touch because it's something we so so greatly need and just all of those little bits and pieces that you're so used to seeing around your home and take for granted um there's always a place for those things here but predominantly sort of boots and trainers rather than you know strappy high heels no, and uh it's 10,000 people but predominantly men um, the women and children um they receive different levels of funding different levels of donations um because they're perceived to be more vulnerable people but that's a camp of 10,000 vulnerable displaced people and as far as i'm concerned and yeah we definitely need men's shoes trainers walking boots something a bit sturdy it's just yeah so helpful so i guess i just had one final question you told me you've been here for two and a half months mm -hmm. and you know it's quite a personal question so do feel free to just tell me to do one but kind of how have you kept yourself going because there must be up days and down days and I guess I'm just interested to hear you know in this time when people feel that they're powerless and actually you've come out and you've proved them that completely wrong by being here for two and a half months is it non-stop now yeah yeah um, so what's kept you going it's the other volunteers here they're absolutely incredible whether it's people who've come for a day or people who've quit their jobs and their lives to come here permanently it's just it's so incredible every day to see sorry I'm getting emotional now um, the number of people who are just so so willing to give their time and you know collect set themselves up as collection points just to see that every single day even when if you've had issues with the police or there's been an issue in count the day before just when you walk out around the front of that warehouse first thing in the morning and see all these people eager and ready to just do what they can whatever whether it's you know peeling garlic or smashing up bits of wood for firewood or going into camp to give tents to new arrivals every single thing is so important and seeing that sea of faces of people who are ready and willing to do that is just such a, yeah just definitely keeps you going for one more day at a time so it's the end of my final full day in Calais and uh, I've spent the day with Lauren and the team from Mobile Distribution. It's an incredibly slick operation. They operate out of a part of the warehouse where everything is meticulously stacked and shelved and organised by a team of incredibly dedicated volunteers. And um, half the team um, are involved in basically packing the orders while in the morning the other team go out uh, from sort of shelter to shelter, either caravans, tents, or sort of just very makeshift um, sort of places, and chat to people. And the sort of distribution of goods is just as important as the sort of welfare aspects of speaking to people, finding out about their situation, finding out about the number of residents that are there, um, trying to actually help. Um, you know, today, for example, we found um, two families with kids, one with um, a two-month-old and also a two-year-old, and another just with a, with a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I found this particularly difficult um, because these are the ages of, well, two-and-a-half is the age of my daughter, and th this little girl was, was really not well. She had some sort of chest infection. The dad didn't know where the medical tent was, and so we took him to the first aid, uh, what's in fact a caravan, where there were two, you know, very well-equipped um, sort of paediatric nurses, but in the most sort of down-at-heel medical facility you've ever seen, essentially just two caravans they were operating out of. And, yeah, it really made me, again, realise how grateful I am for 
the life I've got at the moment, you know, and how actually this could be any of us, you know, waiting in line, waiting to try and get a kid seen uh, for medical care. You know, it's every parent's nightmare. And, you know, people are just people. And that's kind of what I've come away from this trip. The fact that, you know, actually what we need to do is we need to take back control of our own minds. We need to make up our own minds based on seeing stuff, not just hearing stuff. You know, there's so much stuff talked in the media um, and uh, by politicians, people who actually know very little about what people are like in the camps. Yeah, there are good and bad people, but actually, you know, the people that I've met have been generous. They've been um, sort of so happy to help even when the help hasn't directly benefited them. They've been incredibly um, sort of uh, kind. You know, today after we brought um, stuff to the the family with the two kids, um, the people had nothing to give us, but they just said, hot day, hot day, and gave us a, a glass of water. And just that simple act of kindness meant a huge amount to me um, and, to, and to the other person that I was with. Um, you know, I think this is a situation that is probably, unfortunately, only going to get worse. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's help, that it's hopeless. You know, actually, the thing that I've come away from, you know, here is almost with my faith in humanity restored yeah there are people who are prepared to willfully turn a blind eye and do nothing but you know this is a camp that is largely being kept together by volunteers and kept together by you know teenagers and by young people who have very very little themselves you know people living on incredibly small amounts of money and yet doing so with complete joy in their hearts and as I've left Calais today um, you know, after my full f- a full final day, I felt incredibly uh, moved and humbled by their work and by their service. But actually, come out to Calais, see the work that's being done, and get involved, because actually, it can make a huge difference. And if you touch somebody's life, you just never know where that sort of um, where that ripple will actually go out to in the pond. Um, I just wanted to say a few final shout outs then um, to Calais Woodyard, so at Calais Woodyard, who've been fantastic, um, saying thank you very, very much to Help Refugees, who are going to at Help Refugees UK, I think, um, and really worth supporting. Uh, the Calais Kitchen providing amazing hot and cold food. And again, check them out on Twitter um, or on something called Facebook, which I've just got onto. And, um, yeah, it's been... um, Oh, yeah, and I couldn't forget my crew in uh, mobile distribution. Guys, you've been absolutely amazing, and uh, thanks for everything. So this is me signing off. Um, If you've made it through this far, thanks for listening. But please don't just listen. You know, if you feel moved, do something. Because whatever you do, it's going to be a lot better than doing nothing. Thanks for listening to The Outrageous Impact Show. If you've enjoyed it... Leave a review and tell your friends.